This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. Who's that podcast It's Kirsten. Oh my gosh. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a long time since we have done one of these. Uh, uh, I'm with someone, but I apparently have memory issues, as Lila will tell everyone. Uh, who are you? Madison, I've known you for like eight months. Why are you asking me who I am? Okay, well, whatever. I want to I wanna be salty about that later, but my name is Kirsten, and I'm one of the podcast hosts for Poke Pika Science. Yeah, no, that's true. We've, we've gotten to hang out in Cali, too. Mm-hmm. We had yep. fun. Um, so for those listeners who don't know, uh, what is your background of study? So my background of study is... Um, biology, and I would say uh, insect specifically. So I got a bachelor's degree in zoology and Spanish literature. And about less than a year ago at this point, I actually completed my PhD in integrative biology, where I was specifically studying insects um, and like the genetics and, you know, broad scale is called genomics of those insects. So a lot of evolutionary history and a lot of insect work. Okay, so like what kind of work have you done in your field? We know obviously what you just said, but can you give us more? Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't want to spend too much time on it because I love talking about this, Maddie. But um, <laughs> what I really, so what I did is I discovered this really, really cool thing, which is that insects have actually acquired special genes from bacteria that help them. So if that doesn't make any sense, it didn't make any sense to me either at first. But basically what happens is that different animals will have different genes, like do different things, right? You might have like different genes encoding skin color. You might have different genes encoding toxins or different You might have a black pair. You might have a washed pair. You might have a torn pair. Yes. If that's a reference to something, I don't don't know what the reference is. (laughs) If you said different genes. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Torn pair. Oh Lord. Um, yes. Well, there's that too. In any case. Um, so there's a bunch of bacteria that secrete these, that have these different toxin genes that can do really gnarly stuff to animals. And so the system that I discovered is a bunch of different insects that actually acquire genes from bacteria that do this thing called DNA activity or DNA cutting activity. So you have a bunch of insects that that inherited these genes from bacteria. And the cool thing is that when they acquired these genes, the genes actually helped these insects protect themselves against other insects. So by virtue of this DNA cutting activity. So basically they have these genes and when other insects try attacking them, these genes are activated and they start chopping up the genes of the infiltrating animals and then kills them. Okay. So I like to say it's like acquiring help from unlikely places. <laughs> okay. Like the uh, the end of a trilogy where the enemy becomes your friend. Yeah, I would say and you so. take on you take on like a bigger enemy together. Yeah, exactly. So these bacteria are Kylo Ren. Sure. You know, I'm not really, uh, I know that's a Star Wars reference, but <laughs> I'm really not hip enough to know exactly what, what the meaning is, but let's just, let's just go with yes. 
Okay. All right. So I, what kind of like work have you done with podcasting or similar experiences? Um, I've never done any work with podcasting um, until, <laughs> until this pretty much. Um, actually, you someone, have other someone... experiences with, uh, you know, talking to people and being in front of people though. Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, like one of my favorite things to do is to hear myself speak. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, I, I do have a lot of experience like working in front of people. Actually, one of my first jobs was being a clown. Okay. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, I'm really used to going up in front of kids and like having this like really, um, I would say kind of excited, excited energy. And I've always, I've always just gotten really, really along really well with like, with like large groups of children, just probably because mm-hmm. I'm uh, immature maybe, or I'm just, you know, very young at heart. <laughs> Uh, and I also, at one point I actually used to work as a science clown when I was uh, living in Arizona, which means that like, I would go to different like school groups, like, you know, Girl Scouts or different like science clubs. And I would have this whole, this giant box full of science activities. And I would talk about them with the kids. I think that's the first I've ever heard of a science clown. Yeah. There's a, there's a crazy story locked in there, but we can talk about that later. I mean, I was more alluding though, to the fact that you have, uh, you know, experience as a musician and performer. Oh yeah, that too. I'm also, <laughs> I'm also a, I'm also a singer in a salsa band. Um, and I'm really, really passionate about the history of salsa music because I'm half, I'm half Cuban. And um, I just care. I, I really like just digging into different songs and like figuring out a lot of these like historical references that are important part of the landscape of Latin music. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of singing. People in the lab next door know me as the really loud singer person <laughs> who sings while doing like chemical reactions and everything <laughs> okay okay um so i uh, i guess what other experiences do you have that help you as part of this team as part of this team well i think maybe the major one would be that i um i've liked pokemon for a long time um speaking the whole singing thing whenever i have like this big box that i carry my instruments in and it's covered in Pokemon. Um, and yeah, I think maybe, you know, I'm, I'm very much not shy. I like being in front of people. I like talking and I like communicating science. Like I've, I've taught a few like different classes, um, to different groups of, uh, you know, kids and adults about just like trying to make everything very accessible. And for me, what I, I just, you know, I've always thought about, about Pokemon and like, I've realized that there's these really real world parallels that's what i like so much about your podcast is that i think it's a really good way to teach things by bringing in this like other energy that isn't real per se but can still be like a really great like learning vehicle okay yeah well i'm just to not to be a an um actually here but uh (laughs) i think you mean our podcast what our podcast yes (laughs) Wait, did, did, did I say your podcast? Yeah, yeah. The podcast that Madison began. How about that? Uh, sh- sure. In addition to other mm-hmm. folks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't like to think of it that way. I like to think of it as uh, this is a thing. And Community I'm just endeavor. Ca- and I'm just kind of here. Uh, <laughs> okay. And I, I hope one day, you know, uh, in the future, not anytime soon, you know, it'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. it'll, it'll think, live long into your uh long after you die i mean it, it you know the idea of using games and 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 mm-hmm. nerd culture to educate i think is a really 
really great opportunity to make mm-hmm. connections and bring an interest to people that otherwise may not have that interest. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think yeah. it's a good. Well, you know, actually, sorry, there, there's actually one very good uh, example that I have about using Pokemon as a teaching tool, which is I actually, yes. I taught this, uh, I taught this R workshop, this like this programming language called R. And, you know, this was at a time when, you know, it was, we were kind of in California, we were stuck in what I would call like very deep COVID, everyone was on lockdown. And a lot of people wanted to use COVID data sets to teach these like coding examples. And I was like, I can't handle that emotionally. I'm thinking about it enough. So what I actually use is I use like this Pokemon data set that someone put online. And, you know, you have all these stats from different Pokemon, you have like, you know, like their weight, their height, what generation they're in. And I use that data set to teach um, data visualization. So I'd be like, oh, is there a relationship between the color of Pokemon and their weight? Or were certain colors used more frequently in different generations? Basically, almost any question you can think of using a Pokemon data set, we were able to leverage that data set to make these like really, really beautiful graphs, which I found very, very fun. And people were maybe, I would say, 10 years younger than me. So some of them were hip to Pokemon. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but to me, I, w- I thought it was a really, I was really, really proud of that workshop. No, I've seen it. You sent me the uh, the file when we met, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, who's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, my favorite Pokemon, I want to say, it varies. I like Dragonair because I think Dragonair is just very serpentine and kind of beautiful. Um, and you know, when I, when I think of Dragonair, I think of the, the like the, the first Pokemon card where you have Dragonair kind of like lazily floating through this ice cavern. That to me would just I just sound very very cool, um, and so I want to say Dragonair. Okay, that's fair. But I, I kind of I, I I love all of them very much. Um, well, okay, not all of them. I like a lot of them. Okay, that's fair too. So, what is it that you do want to talk about most on this show? Um, the thing I want to talk about most, well. I mean, I love the real world parallels between, for example, like when this, when the game uh, based on the, when the game based on the Hawaiian islands came out and we had all these different like forms, I thought that was really exciting. But I, I personally want to be someone who can talk about the links between evolution and Pokemon in addition to some cultural aspects such as music and Pokemon. So those are the kind of things I'm, I'm really excited about. I know we have like a really great team of people, for example, someone who's like really good at economics which I would love to learn about, but I definitely don't have much to say on. <laughs> yeah, no, I think all of you are very talented and, and bring a lot here. Uh, and, and I do hope we get to finish this uh, Paldea part two mm-hmm. <laughs> on our list. Uh, so how would you like to see the show change and grow? Uh, the way I'd like to see it change and grow. Well, one thing that I think is kind of fun that um, you and I have talked about before is like maybe bringing in other other video games besides Pokemon. As much as as much as I love Pokemon, I'm not really up to date on the culture of a lot of games. But like I've been, I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom, um, and I do think that there's some there could be some fun stuff in there to like examine from like a scientific perspective. Um, in addition, as we mentioned, like it is the Pika Science podcast, but I do think it's fun to talk about like different cultural aspects. The cultural aspects I'm particularly interested in, um, would be like, you know, the different musical influences on, um, on a lot of the games. 
Yeah. In, in yeah. particular, in particular, Padlea, because I'm like, I come from like a Cuban background. I think it's really fun to look into those, uh, the Spanish, the Spanish influences on the game as well. Yeah, there's a lot there. Definitely, for sure. So um, I'm going to move on and ask you about some Pokemon. Okay. So what is your favorite Pokemon game and why? My favorite Pokemon game. Um, okay. So, I mean, I think may, my impression is this is going to be everyone's answer. But I think very few things are ever going to um, live up to the very first time I ever played Pokemon Yellow. Okay. And I was, you know, I remember being on an airplane at this time and just everything was so fresh and unexplored and new. And I remember just going through, I remember going through like the forest and there being all these caterpies and I had this like cute, adorable little, little chipmunk like animal walking alongside me and everything was just so crazy and unexpected. So, I mean, for me, I would say the highest joy I've gotten was when I first played Pokemon Yellow, for sure. Okay. Um, and I love being able to, like, I always love when you have a little sprite that can interact with you and that you can, like, check on its mood and everything. So we need more games where they, they talk back to you. Got it. Oh, for sure. Well, and I think, I think you know, like, the little mini games, like the camping stuff, lets you do some of that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do also like the mystery dungeons quite a bit because I love being able to be the actual Pokemon. Even though I, the most recent mystery dungeon game that I played was so hard. It took a lot, a lot of like mental bandwidth to beat it. And even then the post game, I just gave up entirely because I was like, I cannot handle this. Well, maybe we should have you talk with Anaru then. Mm-hmm. I think that's his favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, wait, no, sorry. The other game that I loved was the TCG which I'm really hoping they can bring back. Um, where you can, uh, like, I thought they, they imported it on the Switch. I mean, if they're importing the old game, I want them to bring a new a new game. I want them to do a new TCG game. Got it. If they do have a new TCG game, that would also be awesome. Because um, I love being able to play the Pokemon card game. I just found it very, very fun. And it was a very different kind of iteration of the game. Also expensive. Mm-hmm. Those cards are expensive. Yeah, no, but being able to like kind of feel as I was actually playing it um, in the game itself was was awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. So what is your favorite Pokemon merchandise that you own? Um, so my favorite merchandise that I own, I personally have, I want to shout out to uh, this this college student that I met in Berkeley called, uh, her Instagram is Ratch Plus One. No, Ratch Plus One. Um, but whenever <laughs> I want to give myself a little treat, I ask her to I ask her to like basically crochet me a Pokemon. So I have like a cute little collection of uh, Pokemon that she's made for me, which includes like a Snorlax, a Dragonair, a Dragonite, um, and a Pokemon. And sorry, not a Pokemon, a Pikachu as well. <laughs> They're all Pokemon according to old people. So yeah, <laughs> um, but I I really like just like. Like that for me, I associate those with like, oh, this was like what I gave myself when I graduated my PhD, and this is what I gave myself when I got married, you know. Aww. Um. So, so I, I like I like those little um. I like the the hand. I, I like I like the fact that you know, like supporting a college student is kind of like kind of like shopping local. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. And I had this like really adorable little Pokemon. Like they're really beautiful quality, and it's like it's a nice little memento of like a cool event in my life. Yeah, no, it's a great like reminder and anchor to that memory. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. 
So if you could create a new Pokemon region on any real world location, what would it be and why? Uh, you know what? Maybe I'm just like not, you know, so I lived in Arizona for a while and I had a kind of love hate relationship with it. But I do think that maybe. You know, we have a game based on Phoenix. Which one? Uh, Coliseum. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that, even though now I can kind of see it. When I think about it, I see it. Yep. I didn't, <laughs> huh. Okay, well, part of me also wants to say the Bay Area. <laughs> but okay. I think I think I'm a little bit maybe like limited in my, in my scope. Maybe I'm just like not well-traveled enough. A little bias there. A little bit of bias, just because it's not that I think the Bay Area is perfect by any means. I just think it's a, just think... I just do think it's a very interesting place. And I think we have like some no, it's, beautiful, it's, it's beautiful, it's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful nature, um, some nature areas or just California. Well, and you I'm, could, you, you could bring fog back. I could bring <laughs> fog back. That's right. For those who don't know in California, we have this, uh, this entity called Carl the fog, which is the name that we give to the, the name we give to the fog <laughs> that goes over, that goes over like the golden gate bridge in the morning and the evening. When we were there, Sarah was so angry because not once did she get to see the bridge. Oh my god, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we uh, we even drove over there before we left San Fran, and it, the the fog was so thick, even while we were driving on it, she couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we tried. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried to be a good partner. I uh, so, what kids movie scares you the most? Almost ever. I want it. Well, okay. Okay. Honestly, SpongeBob always freaked me out. <laughs> like I could not get into it. Just like that kind of personality type of SpongeBob himself and Patrick, like, you know, no offense to anyone who likes it, but to me, they were just like so dumb that it was hard to watch. Same with Ed, Ed and Eddie too. Ed and Eddie, <gasps> my brother loves that. And it just stressed me out. Cause I was like, ugh, these characters, like, like the whole idea, of, like acting, acting really oblivious, I did not sit right with me. So that also Courage the Cowardly Dog. <gasps> Just those vibes, those overall vibes were so freaky. Courage, <clears throat> yeah. But return the slab. I don't, I don't know. Just those. I want to say Cat Dog too. Also weirded me out because it was just so, <laughs> it was so weird. You know what I mean? Like it was like a this genetic mutant. So I think I feel like a lot of kids shows sort of freaked me out, but also like I didn't have I didn't have cables, so I couldn't watch a lot of them. I would only watch them at my grandma's house, which was in this kind of like secluded area, and you know, it was always a little bit quiet when we were there. Like I don't know, I love you, Olona, but that was it. Some of the movies were some of the shows you watched there kind of just seemed very somber and kind of grim. Oh my gosh, but SpongeBob for sure. <laughs> okay uh so <laughs> if you were a salad what type of dressing would you have and why not in front of my salad um let's see okay for a salad um okay the the actual answer would just be lime because i just i don't like i don't like most dressing i just like adding a bunch of lime and a bunch of lemon Okay. Lemon and olive oil. Yeah, okay. Homemade um, dressing. Mm-hmm. Got it. 
<laughs> you were I mean, salad. That, that's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's an answer. All right, then. Super, uh, so, super interesting, Kirsten. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, so what makes the perfect ice cream sundae? Um, so for me, it would, uh, the perfect ice cream sundae is when it's not a sundae, but it's a cookie. Cause I don't like ice cream. Um, because I just, my teeth are very sensitive, so it'll be like super painful for me to eat. So uh, I would say no ice cream sundae and just cookie. Is that why you didn't get ice cream with us when we were out there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very, I'm very, very cookie motivated. It's like my number one thing. Like I get so cranky at night if I can't have a cookie before bed. <laughs> like if we're at a cookie, I'll just like if we're at a cookies, I'll just keep opening the drawers and being like, oh. So mm. you're a Sesame Street character. For re- people have called me that. People have called me that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming and, you know, uh, I love having you around, and I look forward to having you do some more. Thanks, so, thanks, Madison. I love, I love, love interacting with you. I love, the, <laughs> love the fact you came to visit us in California. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, everything but the traffic. Everything but the traffic and the lines. For <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're if you're in North California, you just learn to get, you just learn to love lines. No, like I, the, you know, the traffic expert is the level only hard just, part. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone else, we'll see you next time here. Okay, great talking to you. Bye, guys.